Hey everybody, Zach here. I'm really excited to share this week's episode with you featuring an awesome conversation with Ben and Casey from M Stoner. I learned a ton during this interview and I bet you will as well. Uh, before we dive into the conversation though, I just wanted to take a quick moment to share this new product with you all from Element 451 called PAX. So you know that moment after you've finally made it through the RFP process, you've finished training and onboarding with the CRM vendor that you've selected, and then the realization of just how much work it's going to take to get your Conflows and other content up and running starts to sink in. Well, with PAX by Element 451, this headache actually goes away. PAX helps you save time and money with pre-built content, designs, and automations. So you're actually able to do in minutes what would normally take your marketing and IT teams weeks to do. No code is required, no writers are required, no wasted effort. Each pack is designed to help you achieve a very specific goal. So here's how this works. Let's say you want to design a senior search campaign, right? You would simply install the senior search pack and in minutes you'll have five personalized emails that are branded to your school, audience segments, and a marketing automation workflow to effortlessly run your campaign. So what this means is that in a fraction of the time it would normally take for you to set all of this up, you can be well on your way to achieving your enrollment goals. Element 451 is a higher ed CRM that comes with content. What a novel idea, right? Uh, so if you want to learn more about Element 451 and you want to learn more about the PAX product, head on over to element451.com forward slash Enrollify. Again, that's element451.com forward slash Enrollify. All right, everyone, enjoy today's conversation and looking forward to hearing what you think about PAX. If you have any feedback for us too, we take our sponsorships very seriously here at Enrollify and we'd love to know uh, if any of you are able to try PAX out or get a demo of it. Let us know what you think. Uh, you know, we're, we're all ears. Without further ado, uh, enjoy today's episode with Ben and Casey from M Stoner. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Buzicruz and I am the host of today's episode. And today I have the honor of speaking with Ben Bilo, who is the creative director at M Stoner and Casey Woodford, who is a, a user experience specialist at M Stoner. Welcome to the show, Ben and Casey. Thanks so much, Zach. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Really, really, really excited that you both are here. Um, M Stoner has been uh, a source of inspiration for us at Enrollify from a design standpoint, from you know the great work that you all do um, that we've we've sort of uh, ripped off on and, and shared with clients in, in our space. So thank you guys for first and foremost for the example uh, that you have set and the standard that you have set in the industry. Um, ben, could you just give us sort of the elevator pitch for M Stoner and help us uh, garner some understanding, especially for those listeners who aren't really familiar with who you all are, uh, give us sort of a crash course of who M Stoner is, and then I would love for each of you to just spend a little bit of time giving us a, a sort of Cliff's Notes overview of, of your careers to date. Sure, absolutely, Zach. Happy to give you the elevator pitch. So M Stoner is a digital-first creative agency. Uh, essentially, we're building effective website experiences for prospective students. And, and also other, other important audiences in higher education. All our work is tailored to, to each client 
and we use human-centric design practices to suss out creative opportunities. So we give institutions the tools to illuminate their brand and allow them to tell their, their best stories, really. And uh, we've been around since 2001, uh, work with more than 350 colleges, universities, professional schools in the U.S. Uh, and, and abroad as well. Our agency's skill set is, is fairly diverse, uh, from graphic design to UX, content strategy, modern website development, digital marketing, and even change management. You know, essentially, we're, we're building these robust, large-scale design systems for colleges and universities and making sure that those institutions can, can take our work and, and move forward uh, and use these design systems for a long time uh, to come. So our shop is essentially uh, equal parts technology, creative, and strategy, and not one, of, not one of those parts dominate. It's really a collaborative environment. When clients engage us, we become part of their team and they become part of work become part of ours, sort of like uh, we become kind of their in-house uh, design agency. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's a really, really, really helpful context. And it's good to hear, I, you know, I primarily know you all through your, your work in web design specifically, but it's really neat to hear sort of uh, how the other services uh, that, that M Center offers. And I love this sort of idea of, um, you know, being part strategy, part creative, part technical, and not letting any particular segment dominate the other. I think that that's uh, especially needed uh, uh, in the uh, reality and, and the economy that we find ourselves in today. Um, ben, talk to us about like, what did you do? How long have you been at M Stoner? And what did you do before uh, landing as the creative director here? Sure. Yeah. So I've been with M Stoner for about five years. Um, I, I would say my my design career started uh, as a you know I started as a basically a traditional graphic designer. Um, after after attending some classes at Columbia College, I was uh, I was hired as an intern in their creative services office. So so this tells you I've been working in higher education for a long time. But essentially, I, I moved through the ranks of that creative services office from intern and eventually became an art director there. Um, and I was there for about 10 years. So it was an incredible experience. I really learned every aspect of, of design while working there. We, you know, we did all the traditional stuff that, uh, you know, marketing practices do for higher ed, like few books, um, marketing campaigns, you know, things like that. But I, I was involved in their alumni magazine. I was involved in redesigning student spaces, working with architects. I was involved with um, the website, creating video. So basically everything you could imagine for higher education, I, I really you know, learned at, at Columbia and at a time where Columbia was really growing uh, and, and changing to become a real creative, uh, creative place. And so while I was there, actually, I, I took some time off and attended a, a, a multidisciplinary design school called ArchiWorks in Chicago. It's kind of a small alternative design school uh, that works with different community organizations to create um, design solutions for social and environmental concerns. Uh, so I had a project working with um, the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum here in Chicago, redesigning their food system. So hmm. I kind of went from from you know doing traditional graphic design to eventually really learning how to design systems and how to uh, design experiences outside of you know outside of print, outside of digital, and into you know real human interaction. So that that really taught me you know that that user experience design 
and design in general is really about experience. Um, so after that, a short stint uh, working in healthcare and pharma at a, at a marketing agency. And then M. Stoner came calling uh, because of my work that I'd done with Columbia. So I, I, you know, I was able to, yeah, it was a really great opportunity for me because I thought, oh, I could take all this experience I learned at Columbia College and bring it to lots of different institutions. Um, I didn't realize that M. Stoner at the time was was pretty much doing uh, just websites. So, you know, I wanted to come to M. Stoner and, and broaden the, um, you know, broaden the skill set, broaden the palette of what we could do for for colleges. So, um, you know, while our focus is these are these websites, we really bring in this idea of of um, user experience across all the the institutional services that colleges offer. That's a great, great story and very, very helpful context. Uh, thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing, Ben. What sure, about you, sure. Casey? Uh, what did uh, how did you land at at M Stoner and sort of what is your what does your career to date looked like? Sure. So just to kind of start from the beginning, I graduated um, in 2015 from the University of Texas at Arlington, actually with a degree in public relations. Okay. Uh, so I was a uh, I started as a PR intern for a uh, sculpture museum here in Dallas, uh, and I did that throughout college, and then moved on to do digital marketing for a company that provided online workplace training uh, for people on government assistance programs like welfare and TANF and things like that. Um, and then from there, I moved into the e-commerce space, doing digital marketing and eventually UX. Uh, and so all that to say, um, you know, through the roles I've had thus far, and I'm sure this will probably resonate with a lot of people who work for startups or small companies, which I've pretty exclusively have done. Um, there's, a, there's been a lot of overlap for me between digital marketing, content development, web design, user research. Um, and with that, there's been kind of this uh, journey for me personally and the things I'm most passionate about, uh, which I've come to find is uh, UX and, uh, you know, this idea of kind of culminating all of those, uh, all those tactics into one singular um, kind of user centric experience has just resonated with me. And I, and, uh, you know, it's just something I find most fascinating and rewarding of anything I've done. Uh, so, uh, you know, last year when I found a, a really cool agency called M's Toner that had a UX position open, I, I jumped on it um, and I've been here for almost a year now. And uh, really what I do now is exactly what I have always wanted. Uh, I'll say as a first generation college student myself, uh, I'm, I'm very motivated to develop kind of the highest level of usability for our clients and especially their users. You know, I know how confusing and stressful the process of selecting a college is, um, especially when no one is there to help you navigate the journey. So uh, that's something that has really dictated my approach at Stoner. Uh, you know, from kind of the day-to-day -day things I do, like experience and persona mapping or data analysis or developing information architecture or wireframing, I, I really have uh, my own experience in the back of my head at all times. And uh, I think it, it really helps in striking a balance between kind of those user needs and client goals, um, which can sometimes be a struggle to, to balance out. Um, I think overall, just my experience is, is kind of the definition of, of UX. It's this idea of, of using empathy and personal experience kind of as a means of coming up with well-designed solutions. Um, so it feels almost like kismet that I ended up at M. Stoner. Uh, I really feel like I've been able to again, apply that, that level of experience and empathy to the work I do every day. 
Well, thank you for for sharing all of that. And I'm really, really excited to be speaking with with both of you. And you know what I really want to do today is have a conversation about the role that UX design plays in the enrollment marketing and student recruitment uh, journey. And so, you know, we've we've been throwing around uh, the term UX for you know just over nine minutes now. And um, you know, Ben, I'd love for you to just kick us off. Um, uh, uh, by helping us define what this term actually is for listeners who have heard about UX design but aren't really entirely sure, uh, you know, what it specifically encompasses, can you sort of just give us a a quick crash course on uh, the history of this term and why it's particularly relevant uh, today? Sure. Yeah. This is a. I, I love. I love uh, talking about the history and getting getting a little heady about user experience design because I, I do think there is some confusion around what it is. I I mentor um, some design students uh, at this online school, and uh, they typically get it confused with you know simply user interface design yeah. uh, and the vi- and the visuals that come together to create a website. But, you know, when I think of user experience design, because of the experiences I, I've had uh, in it, I think it, you know, I think it's really the sum total of all the elements that make a product, uh, a process, or even an environment work for people. Uh, like I said, I'm going to get heady about this, but no, please, from, visual de- <laughs> from, from, you know, from visual design to language to user feedback to emotional res- resonance, you know, even to the way information is structured, it's all that like intentional thinking and crafting that goes, you know, into making something, you know, happen for users that's that's satisfying and useful. So that that's kind of the definition that I that I've developed there. It's it's pretty pretty broad, um, and obviously because we're designing websites, there's a lot of details, you know, that we narrow this down to. But it's the experience, you know, that we're that we're intentionally creating for for customers. So, and oh, sorry, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, as a as a practice itself, like user experience is a practice. It's all the tools and methods uh, that help align business objectives with human needs, so that create opportunities for you know these these connections and and human happiness and to mitigate disaster, things like that. So it's it's all these kind of mitigated experiences um, that that businesses want to have with their customers. So. Uh- I really, really appreciate that. Um, uh, just another in the in the stream of sort of like nerdy, like heady uh, conversation. Um, do you like what are your thoughts on like some of the some of the job titles that I've seen uh, mm-hmm. either either within an institution itself and or with with a partner agency that an institution might be might be working with? You often see sort of like UX slash UI design in in people's yeah. titles, like as somebody who like really deeply cares about like this uh, this term right and like the 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 connotations around the term like how do you how do you feel about that like do you feel like those are are two pretty like different disciplines uh, you know can can someone successfully be both an amazing ui designer and an amazing ux design like help can, can you yes. help me understand this <laughs> Yes, you, you can be an amazing UI designer and UX designer. The difference is, I think UI is a sub subset of UX. It's a sub. It's a here. Let me let me start by saying that everybody at M Stoner is a user experience designer ah, because everybody okay. everybody plays a role in creating the experiences uh, you know that we're that we're hired to to develop. So no matter what you're doing, you you've got to have the 
the, the user, the visitor, the human uh, in mind uh, when you're creating these experiences. Now, uh, Casey is a UX specialist. Her focus is on all the tools and methods and data gathering and research that's going to inform all of our decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the visual designers on staff, we, we call them visual slash UX designers because okay. they're really they're really crafting the UI. They're they're taking the inputs from Casey. They're taking the inputs from our you know from our experience of developing lots of websites and and you know bringing them to life realizing them. Uh, and what a UI designer does is, is you know, they understand all the affordances uh, that people need to engage with content on the web. Uh, and they, you know, and they, they execute to their, their best ability in, in a visual context. Thank you for, uh, that, for does that help? Parking. Yeah. Thank you for parking <laughs> yeah. that out. No, I, I mean, <laughs> but, but, just like, per- but like, UX is broad, right? Yeah. It's yeah, very yeah, broad. yeah. But I think, I think it's actually important. And I love, I loved what you said about like how everyone at M Stoner is a UX designer. And for me, like that, that just solidifies, that helps me understand, uh, the distinction between the two and really the importance in terms of like how, how you think about, uh, servicing clients, how you think about like the journey to enrollment of a prospective student, like mm-hmm. and translating yep. this into like the context of, of an admissions department, it's like what I what I think I hear you saying is that everyone on the admissions team is is uh, a UX designer because everyone has influence over the experience that that prospect has with the institution, um, even if they know nothing about graphic design or nothing about you know uh, uh, you know actually how to design like a beautiful website or whatever it might be. Right. So I love that distinction. I think that that's super super helpful. Um, Casey, I want to actually jump to you and help us understand like what is a what is a recipe for great UX look like? In other words, like are there specific strategies, tools, and, and tactics uh, that you think are crucial to to have at one's disposal in order to craft a a truly user focused experience? Sure. So I want to actually touch on on four things, two or four important areas of focus that we know at Emstoner to to really make for a well-rounded UX strategy. Uh, so uh, first things first, and uh, we just touched on this, but you you really have to know your user. Uh, it's it's so crucial again to establish that true empathy and uh, really understand things like their motivations for coming to your site. Yeah, uh, what they're needing or looking for when they get there and whether there are any pain points that they may have, you know, either because of your site's experience or just because of the overall process. Um, and uh, Adam Stoner, we're, we're really big proponents of uh, experience mapping and persona journey mapping. So both of those uh, tactics kind of define the actions, thoughts, or motivations, and then the feelings of your target audiences throughout the exploration and enrollment process. The the difference between them is that experience maps focus on a larger audience, uh, like undergraduates or transfer students as a whole, while journey maps focus on a a specific persona within a larger segment. So for instance, by background or life stage. Um, And so in both of those cases that we gather the the info related to those thoughts, feelings, actions, uh, from one-on-one interviews with students, as well as workshops with stakeholders. And so uh, we take all those details uh, of their journey, and uh, we have, uh, at the end of it, a sense of alignment between the target audience and the faculty and staff. And uh, from there, we're able to really define the uh, the opportunities that heavily 
dictate our overall site strategy and content development. So it's this idea of truly taking into account the voices of your users uh, and, and your stakeholders in order to formulate something that, that really works for everybody. And then a second important point is, is knowing your brand. Mm, <laughs> I think yeah. uh, knowing who you are as an institution, what are your differentiators? Uh, you know, is it your academic environment, your sense of community, your historic legacy? Maybe it's all of the above. Um, but either way, you, you really have to establish your brand in order to establish a narrative that resonates with the types of students your institution wants to appeal to. And then third and hugely important is information architecture, which, uh, you know, is simply the, the organization of your website. Uh, you know, we'll say without without logical user-focused structure, then even the most uh, gorgeous site can't succeed. It, sh it just won't work. Um, and so anecdotally, we, we actually spoke to a group of high school students a few weeks ago, and they made it clear that if it's not easy for them to find the info they want, they'll look for it somewhere else. Hmm. And that's so important to realize because there's this process of starting with 20 plus schools and then whittling it down to the strongest three or four. And if you don't have findable information on your site to adequately compare you to other institutions, then prospects will just move on. Uh, and so that's, that's so important to realize. And uh, I'll just say, as it relates to information architecture, this is a really great case before you even consider a redesign uh, for using your existing data to determine how users are moving through your site currently. And to, you know, determining what words or phrases they're they're searching for, um, and looking at you know which pages rank highest, all kind of in an effort to learn what's most important to your visitors, and then establishing a hierarchy that reflects their needs. And then my last point is that you know I just say keep up with industry standards and best practices. Uh, so take into account accessibility requirements, device responsiveness, search engine optimization, on-site search methods. Um, you know, touching on on-site search as an aside, we we recently worked with uh, Funnelback on a white paper about site search, and uh, we found that 43% of uh, surveyed professionals said their visitors use site search, uh, but 74% cited it as a pain point. So mm -hmm. this is a, a really great example of something that's really key to the user experience and is becoming more important all the time, but it's still being neglected. So I think uh, for an institution, uh, you know, to stay ahead of the curve uh, will always be beneficial. It's fantastic. I, I really appreciate uh, that that recipe. And, uh, you know, there's a lot there. And we could design a, a podcast episode around each of those four, <laughs> those four steps, those four pillars. Um, Ben, I, I'd love for you to just uh, follow up here. Casey just gave us this fantastic framework for yep. thinking about what great UX actually looks like. Mm -hmm. Can you share a couple examples with us on on what a website designed with really, really great, like M Stoner approved, like <laughs> gold star UX actually like both looks and sort of feels like? Sure, sure. Um, there, there are two, two uh, sites that, recent sites that come come to my mind. Uh, one is the John Hopkins School of International Studies website. This was an amazing project um, where we started with, you know, really understanding who, the, who these students are. We, we interviewed current students and prospective students, 
uh, faculty, staff, um, and kind of, you know, really tried to balance the, the user needs and the goals of the institution, as I mentioned before. And, and we did the experience mapping exercises uh, that Casey talked about with a couple different audiences, kind of depending on what type of degree or what type of interest uh, they were looking for. Um, and what I love about this site, what we developed here is it's not only beautiful and contains lots of great uh, imagery and really nice creative features that sort of describe the experience, uh, but I really love the program finder. And this is an example of kind of how, how we can make um, exploration on these sites easy. And mm. so what we have on this site is uh, kind of this uh, stepped wizard. It's kind of like you answered a few questions uh, and then you're led to uh, 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 results around your interests and your um, degree level that you're looking for, how much work experience you may already have, uh, and how long you expect to uh, study for. So you, we kind of answer these questions from the homepage of the website and then you get led to a program finder that has these very specific results based on your background and your interests. And so it's an example of kind of conversational design, you know, mm -hmm. where you're, where we're, we're like, you know, instead of feeling like technology's in the way, it's more like having a conversation with somebody behind the scenes that's getting your inf personal information and then delivering you results fast and results that are relevant. So I, that, that to me is really exciting. Um, and built into that, you know, underneath those questions is an, is an information architecture, you know, is, a, uh, is sort of a, a back end of, of terms and pathways uh, based on how the user chooses, uh, you know, where they choose to go. So uh, I think it's a, a really, really nice way um, of engaging a user, getting them active on the site to make decisions. I love that. And I, before you share your second example, I just want to uh, uh, chime in on this this idea of conversational design. I'd love to just as a tangent, we should talk about that on a, maybe another podcast or collaborate <laughs> on a piece there. I actually just had a <laughs> uh, an awesome interview earlier this morning with uh, Mark Killens, who is the VP of content at Drift. Um, not sure if you guys are familiar with Drift. They're sort of the the leaders in conversational marketing um, mm -hmm. and and whatnot, and they do a ton of really 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 great work. Anyway, so I love I I've never actually heard of the term conversational design, and I love this and just want to make a note that we have to come back and, and talk about this at some point on on a later episode yeah. because I, I think it's it's incredibly important and. Uh, I, yeah. Anyways, I'd love to pick your brain on I'll, this. Yeah, I will. I will touch on this really quick. Please do. Right? Please do. If you don't mind. So, um, you know, when I think of com when I think of a conversation, I think of you know both parties want to get something out of it. Sure. You know, they they it's it's this exchange of ideas where where two people win. You know, that's a great conversation, right? A bad conversation is one sided. A good conversation is where both parties uh, gain something. And so, I think this is an aspect of UX that's so important. You know, when the when the institutions, when the university's goals are aligned with the visitor's goals, you know, they both want the use, they both want to see the student enroll and succeed and have a great experience and get a great, great education. Uh, when those, when that's a genuine goal of the institution, I think there's synergy there. Uh, when these things aren't aligned, you know, when there are some dark patterns, uh, you know, trickery uh, <laughs> engaged in trying to get students uh, enrolled, then that then there's there's not going to be an emotional connection. It's not going to be a good a good fit. 
um, which is where brand, you know, brand comes in. No, I, I, yeah. Oh gosh. There, there's so many things here. And I mean, I think to just uh, piggyback on, on that a little bit, like what I think is sort of like underlying here, right. Is this, is this notion that, um, as humans, right. This idea of, of both getting, you know, after a great conversation, you both want to walk away feeling good, right. Or feeling like Mm -hmm. you learned something or feeling like you grew in some, in some capacity. And I think, but the way that we traditionally think about like student recruitment, right. is it's very one way. It's very like, Hey, here is the message that I am communicating to you about why our program is the best thing since sliced bread. Right. Or like here are like are the four bullet points that differentiate us from the school down the street. And it's very, um, it, it's very outbound actually. It's, it's very like interruptive in nature. It's, it's, it's a little bit more like a lecture more than it is a conversation. And that typically informs our enrollment marketing strategies. And so what I love about what you're saying and what like the Mark Killens of the world from, from drift are saying is like, wait a second, we need to think a little bit more. We need to think differently about design. We need to think differently about marketing and think about them within the context, within the framework of a conversation. And all of a sudden that it change that changes our approach to how we visually communicate, right. And how we communicate, uh, the unique value propositions of an institution and ultimately how you move somebody through the enrollment journey. So I'll get off my soapbox, but I, I just <laughs> love, I love that you guys are thinking this way and talking this way. Um, and I absolutely think that the industry needs to move more aggressively in this direction. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think chat is going to be a big, I mean, it's already big in other industries and I think that's just going to increase um, as a way to converse with, with prospective students. I love it. All right. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about, so let's move, let's move on. Uh, Casey. Sure. Oh, actually, no, we didn't get your oh, second example. Second example. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, this will be quick. Right. The other example is, um, university of Pittsburgh's Brad, Bradford campus website. Um, so I, you know, I always look for, when I go do discovery work or when, when M Stoner goes do discovery work, we kind of look for, you know, we're, we're trying to suss out all the, all the institutional needs, but we're also looking for the big idea. Yeah. You know, like what, what's, what stands out? I mean, which is why we go to campus. Um, haven't been able to do that lately, but we love to go to campus and really understand the place. And so I'm a big advocate for like, we need the website to be congruent with the physical space of the campus. Like if, if you go to the website and you can feel the same way that you feel when you step on campus, that, that, that would be amazing because, you know, I think when students take the tour is when it seals the deal for yeah, a lot of them. I, yeah. I know we can't do that now. We're looking for other ways to do that virtually, uh, which is why I love this website so much because we have this feature called go inside, go outside. Uh, where students can toggle between like the inside academic spaces or kind of social spaces and then the outside natural beauty of the campus. Wow. And yeah. I'm to- on the site right now. Again. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, and I'm doing the toggle and it works. So yeah. No, yeah. No, no, no. So K- Casey and I, um, we, we, we went out to campus after, well, actually I think when we were about to launch the site and we, mm-hmm. we tested it with, you know, fully fleshed out with all the content and photographs with, uh, perspective and and current students so high school students and current uh pitt bradford students and one thing that really stood out to me is that they the students they felt really connected uh to the images um that were presented on on the site so kudos to the photographer but also you know just this that we were right that we were right about like if we could make this look like the campus um students would feel connected and they, they saw themselves in the other students and they felt like they were 
they were exploring the actual physical space. And that was, a, I think that was a big success. And there was just a gut feeling from them that they felt like they belonged here, which, which I think was a big, is a big success um, to be able to intentionally design that feeling of belonging. I think um, what was, uh, was great. was great. I love it. And yeah, for, for folks that are, um, wanting to see these uh, these sites for themselves. We'll include links to both websites in, in the show notes so you can check them out on, on your own time. Um, Casey, so I'm curious to sort of switch and, and progress our conversation towards uh, data. So I, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're talking a lot about like the, uh, the more artistic components of UX design, but right, as you guys have so greatly fleshed out and um, as, as MSONER regularly talks about, right, there's this component that's key to UX, which is consulting. What is the data actually telling you about how a prospective user is, a prospective student or, you know, a website user, how are they interacting with the site, right? How are they interacting with the brand? Um, so what I'm curious to to get your thoughts on our, how often should schools be collecting and evaluating data on their website users? Is it, is it fair to say that institutions should sort of always be in this kind of constant state of website redesign? Are you ever, are you ever done? Uh, how do, how, uh, do you all advise that schools, uh, consult the data without becoming so obsessed with it that they're making changes constantly or should they be making changes constantly? Sure. So it's definitely striking that balance, right? I mean, it's definitely not a set it and forget it type of thing. Uh, you know, at MStoner, we're very strong proponents of your site being evaluated regularly for opportunities and improvements even after a big redesign. Uh, so, uh, you know, as an example, building on the information architecture point uh, that we discussed earlier, at least annually, you should evaluate the performance of your navigation, those top searches, at which pages are ranking highest. All of, all of those data points may or may not be the catalyst for some reorganization. And... Uh, reorganization is not a bad thing. That's you keeping up with the, with the trends and uh, how your audiences are shifting. So overall, it's fantastic to be able to dedicate some time and energy into evaluating those things. And I'll say tools like heat maps and A-B tests, um, you know, those are, are really great for seeing what's working well and what's not for comparing your ideas um, you know, institutionally, if there are any big ideas that you have that you want to see if they work, A-B testing is a really great way to do that. Um, and then heat maps are really awesome for seeing where users are clicking on certain pages, again, how they're interacting with that content. If you have content at the bottom of the page that you really want, you know, you really think should be prioritized, then you can see how users are interacting with it, whether or not it should be prioritized all of all of these data points are really fantastic for for keeping your site as a living breathing thing and uh, you know again it's going to ensure that you're always accommodating that ever shifting set of user needs and really staying at the forefront of the user experience and i'll say it'll you know it's also going to prevent the need to do another major redesign anytime soon which is always a good thing not having to go through that you know really stressful time-consuming process of, of a major redesign. Um, so just overall, it's it's very important to uh, keep up with it, make sure that you are evaluating those key metrics that you determine to be most important. 
but definitely not getting it so all consumed in it that you are, you know, you feel like you have to make changes every single day because that's just not, that's just not feasible and it doesn't make sense. Um, so really striking that balance based on your institutional priorities. Do you all have like, uh, for folks who, after you all have completed a, a website redesign for them and, you know, either in their first 30, 60, 90 days post-launch, right? And uh, what metrics are you all, are, are there like any kind of key sort of, we, you mentioned uh, the nav, but is there anything else that's like, you absolutely want to be testing this thing in the first 30, 60, 90 days after a website redesign or after a website refresh? Are there sort of like, uh, a handful of things that uh, folks should be regularly paying attention to uh, so that, um, you know, they're, they're not overwhelmed by trying to change everything constantly. Like, what does MSONER recommend folks, if you only have a limited time, let's say once a month to uh, look at your data and then make changes accordingly, where should you focus that time? Sure. So I think uh, some some really important ones uh, for your overarching site are going to be things like exit rates on key landing pages. Uh, that's something that will determine uh, if if your landing pages are are serving their purpose of uh, being the catalyst to deeper information as opposed to repelling people sure. uh, from your website. Uh, so that's going to be really important. And uh, you know, I think exit rates get confused with bounce rates, and I would focus more on exit rates because that uh, more speaks to the richness of of the page itself and whether it's serving its purpose. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think overall time on site is going to be another one. So, are users spending more time in the exploration process? Are are they uh, really reading through your content? What are they finding, uh, you know, most engaging or important? And if there are any key, uh, I would say, uh, components on your site, like the program finder or student testimonials, uh, things like that are, if they prove to be something that, that you really thought would be impactful to your site, I think measuring the success of those by, uh, you know, using heat maps, like I said, to see if users are clicking on them, if they're being directed to those key pages that they're that they're linking to uh, you know if a testimonial is linking to a student story are users going to that student story and reading through it all of that to say that those components and the content behind them take a lot of work to develop in the first place and so you want to make sure that they are performing how you intended or they're serving their purpose uh, instead of you and you know putting all this time into them and them not uh, outputting uh, what you would what you were hoping for. I love that. No, that's that's super, super helpful. And, um, you know, I think that at the bare minimum, most folks who have, you know, decent access to analytics uh, associated with their site should be able to pull those metrics together uh, relatively quickly uh, to be able to discern whether or not uh, any sort of change uh, is needed. Uh, ben, I want to I want to talk to you uh, a little bit about one of the things that I was that stuck with me. We had a, a conversation a couple weeks ago, the three of us, and we're just brainstorming some ideas for for today's episode. And you said this thing, Ben, that uh, that really stuck with me. And what you what I at least remember you saying is that UX, it's really important to think about UX as way more than just how a website looks and feels. And specifically within the context of enrollment marketing and student recruitment, we've, we've touched on this a little bit already, but um, 
today's colleges and universities aren't just competing with other higher ed institutions. They're also trying to, uh, in many ways, live up to the experience and and the sophistication that students can find in, in the consumer space. And I'm thinking specifically about right, like how users act with brands at conferences, how use how how we might experience right, like. Uh, what it's like to buy something from Amazon, right? And just the, the, the frictionless experience that at least most of us get if we if we have Prime. Um, how do how does UX expand beyond an institution's website, and why is it important that enrollment marketers be aware of this? Um, and how do you design really great experiences um, that are physical, right? Or mm-hmm. or that extend beyond sort of your core website domain? Yeah, I think there's two two questions embedded in there. So one is, I think it's really important to understand or for marketers to understand the culture we live in and the ecosystem of digital experiences that we have. So it's, you know, every day we, we come into different companies uh, or, or, you know, different types of experiences uh, and they all have different, you know, modalities of, giving us information. And I think we need to understand how people get information and what they need from these different companies. Um, you know, we need to understand that um, there's a level of sophistication that's coming from something like Amazon or Netflix. And people are getting these, like you mentioned, these fast, on-demand, personalized uh, experiences that they're not necessarily getting from higher education. Sure. And I, and I think that, I mean, we probably all know that higher ed needs to catch up to that fast, on-demand, personalized experience. Uh, and so I think it's important to look to these other companies, uh, you know, things like Air- Airbnb or, um, you know, Uber, all these things that we all know about that that have made our lives, <laughs> well, on the surface better, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, <laughs> The jury's but, but still out. <laughs> yeah, the jury's still out. But, but essentially, um, yeah, it's important for digital marketers on campus to keep pace or to at least attempt to keep pace with these other experiences that their prospective students are having every, you know, every day that, that, that make their lives better. And I think we, we need to focus on making lives better for our prospective students and our current students as well. And so doing what it takes to make things easy and personalized um, and enjoyable for, for them, frankly. Um, so I think that's, that's, you know, one, one aspect of it. And in terms of like, you know, having an experience that bridges the physical and the digital, um, I I really think that, you know, different aspects of the institution need to be talking to each other. So one thing that we did at Columbia, you know, kind of late in my career there is we started to have these cross disciplinary, cross department get togethers where the admissions team, you know, the, you know, the institutional advancement team, uh, the creative services group, uh, the student, student, current student services uh, group would all kind of get together and share, uh, share the work that they're doing so that we could understand what the, what the overarching language of the institution is. And so that we can speak with essentially one, one voice as an institution and make sure that there was kind of a seamless, um, feeling that people had when they came into contact with Columbia, you know, they, with Columbia college, they, we wanted them to know that, um, we had this set of values, uh, across everything that we did. And we wanted students to understand that. So, 
you know, whether you're at a, uh, you know, admissions fair or you're communicating with through chat on the web, there needs to be the same values that are presented to students. Uh, so that they're not feel like, you know, getting a disparate experience. They're feeling like they're getting one uh, cohesive um, experience. Fantastic. No, I love that. And I think that is a, a real, real challenge for, for many folks, uh, especially people that are working uh, at smaller departments or maybe even working at, at the graduate level. Um, you go from having this beautiful uh, institution-wide website and experience, and then the resources that you have at your disposal when you're going to like a grad fair or something like that are a few brochures that are maybe a little bit outdated and not, not, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they didn't make it into sort of like the urgent important category for like redesign these brochures for this, you know, grad program X. Um, and, and right. but I just think that like, there are, there's just so much to be said for like when you, when you experience it, especially as a consumer, when you experience it, it's like, it just, it helps you, uh, fall in love with the brand, uh, even more, right. When you, when you know that let's like everyone did read the actual, like welcome, like book and like the, the manual, the company manual and everyone understands like, Oh, these are our unique value propositions. Like this is how it, it's like going to Chick-fil-A, right? Like, and every time you're at Chick-fil-A, yes, it's like exactly. my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs> That's and you're exactly like, right. And you don't realize it, but then you're like, it's like, Oh wow. Like I, the minute someone says it, you realize, wow, that's different. That's unique. Like this experience is very consistent with everything that this brand is trying to be. Um, and yeah. we need to, we need to mm -hmm. replicate that in higher ed. And that has yeah. to be something that extends way, way beyond the digital space. Yeah. And you know, I want to make, I want to mention one more thing and that's quality and craft. And this is one thing that kind of keeps me up, <laughs> keeps me up at night these days <laughs> uh, because of being quarantined. We're not able to produce the, the level of, quality in terms of like photos and videos and other types of visual communications. And I worry a little bit about um, there being a lapse in, um, in the quality and craft of our communications. And I think that's really, really important. While, you know, while we want to present authenticity, and I think we've heard from some clients that, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll just share like a Zoom conversation with prospective students. And on some level, that's okay. Yeah. But, but you know, at, at a deeper level, we want to create these kind of marketing experiences that, that heighten the, the, the level of excitement, you know? So I, I do worry about quality and craft, and I, I want to make a point of... Uh, of that just so that we don't lose sight of, you know, creating things that are cr creative and inspiring uh, for, for prospective students, you know, not, not just, you know, giving them what they're looking for, but giving them what something that they thought they never imagined uh, they would get, you know, from, from uh, higher education. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think like, especially, especially right now where there is, uh, increase in digital communications. And, you know, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but it's like, I see, I've seen more, I've received more emails inviting me to webinars or digital events than yep. ever before. Mm -hmm. And they all like, honestly, I'm sure some of them are really, really, really great, but they all just blend together in my inbox. And it's like, I can't, I just, it's, 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 it's not that I'm not interested in the topic necessarily. There's just too many of them. And it's right. not obvious, at least upon first glance, like, you know, which ones are the chaff and which ones are the wheat? Like what, which ones are actually going to be worth my time and which ones are going to tell me stuff, stuff that I could have read in like a blog post or probably did read in a blog post three years ago. Like, and I think that that 
stems from, I mean, that's just one example and it's, it's just about like marketing emails, but that's a channel, right? That like folks who are serious about this and are thinking critically about UX, like that's a great opportunity to differentiate yourself. Like, how do you think about like differentiating yourself in the inbox? Like, what does it look like to have subject lines and preview text and creative once the email is open that is truly unique and different? Um, and I feel like the folks that take that seriously, those are the people that are gonna stand out, right? And you yeah. can have the same offer as the person, you know, as the as the uh, institution down the street, you could have the same offer yep. as the email above my above your email or below my email. Email, but if your email is different, right, and if it does prioritize quality first, right, and if you can tell that there's been some real intentionality put into it, that's going to win, even if there are, are identical offers, you know, above and below that email. So you yes, guys know this yes. stuff. I'm preaching to the <laughs> choir, but like, <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more, Ben, that like, especially in this moment, folks need to not compromise on quality. Yes, yes. And I'll jump in and I'll say, touching back on the, the chat we had with high school students, I think this is the time to be bold. Uh, like you're saying, Zach, it's the time to set yourself apart because uh, students are, or prospects are, are looking for institutions that, that are bold and individualistic and different. And that's even outside of the crisis we're in now. But I think especially now, it's the time to take those chances and to, and to really try to set yourself apart. And uh, I, I think that that's something uh, worth taking into consideration overall in all of your marketing communications. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I have one final question that I'd love for you both to just tag team. Um, and that's around resources. So, right, folks listening into today's conversation who might be like, yep, Ben, Casey, love everything that you're saying. Couldn't agree more. I've been telling my department chair or I've been telling my director this for years. Um, and they feel a little stuck and they don't feel like they have uh, the resources or the power or the authority to uh, enact this sort of change that we've been that we've been discussing. Um, what can folks do with limited resources, right? So let, let's just uh, have an, this, this is the example that I want us to, that I want us to consider. You're a uh, director of, of admissions, let's say, and you, you don't control the entire website. You don't control mm -hmm. every email that a prospective student might receive from the university, but you do control a subset of, of website pages and you do have some creative liberties um, on those pages. And you also do control uh, a subset of communications and you do have control over how emails look to people posting query and how text messages are written, you know, et cetera. How, mm. like, what, what is your wisdom? What are, what are sort of your parting wisdom for folks who feel like they have limited resources, um, but do have a little bit of power? Where should they funnel their, their time and their energy, especially gearing up for the fall? Sure. So I can, I can start, Ben. I would say there are three pretty simple ways to optimize, you know, your pages and communications and, and that situation. So first, having intuitive, easily scannable content on, on your pages themselves. This means, uh, you know, limiting the walls of text that we often find on, on say, admission sites. Uh, instead, uh, you should really opt for, for clear headings that break up sections within a page. And if possible, use things like tables and accordions to organize info more intuitively. 
And uh, second, if you have control over the organization of your pages, make sure, again, it's intuitive, going back to information architecture, because I cannot stress it enough. <laughs> uh, you should, uh, you should, uh, there are really two sides of the same coin. So one, you should consolidate where possible. So if you have separate pages for, for our staff and contact us and each only take up, you know, 10 to 20% of the, of the page, then that's a case for consolidation, right? Because they're related content, related information, and uh, combining those would decrease any decision fatigue on, okay, well, who should I contact or where should I find this information? Which page should I go to? And uh, on the flip side, uh, breaking out long-form content where possible. So if you have admissions info for, say, excuse me, traditional first years, transfers, international students, homeschooled students, all on one page, then it's probably best to break those out to increase findability. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then keep going, one keep more going. I'll no, you're good. One more I'll, I'll hone in on is um, related more to content design. And Ben will probably be able to expand on this a little bit, but uh, Zach, as you were mentioning, even in your email communication, social media posts, carry the voice of your institution through everything you do. So that tone of your copy is, is really consistent with the rest of the university site. And uh, where you can incorporate visuals like photography, video, infographics are really great. Um, incorporate those where you can. And I'll just say all of this kind of helps round out the brand. And as we said before, resonate with the type of student who would thrive at your institution. Golden, golden. All right, Ben, <laughs> you're in the hot seat. That Yeah, that covered a lot. But I I, I would say if there there's a uh, an aspect of communication to focus on, it's it's well, there's two, it's twofold, I think, sell your programs, hmm. you know, I mean, we, especially now in, in today's environment, that's, you, you don't necessarily have the student experience piece. So, f- you know, focus on what makes your programs unique and getting prospective students to the programs that they're interested in fast. I, as I, I think that's one aspect, um, you know, and we, we, we definitely prioritize, uh, you know, program pages and program finders in our, in our work. Because uh, we know that that's what prospective students are, are looking for. You know, sure, they want to know what life is going to be like, which is the other aspect I'll touch on. But I think programs first. Sell, sell those programs. Find out what's unique about them. Often there's a disconnect between what, you know, a, you know, a admission, a enrollment marker, admissions counselor is, is focusing on. They're focusing on life at campus. And they, they don't really understand the depth to, what, to which, you know, the academics are different. Than other institutions, so I think that's a place to focus. The other thing here, in, especially in this time, um, is the uncertainty of life. You know, you're gonna you're gonna sign up, you're gonna enroll in this institution, but there's an uncertainty right now of what life will be like. So the closer and more honest you can get about what life will be like now, mm-hmm. as a as a member of this community, whether it's digital or physical or hybrid, I think institutions need to need to grasp um, how to communicate um, what life will be like as a member of this community. Guys, this was fantastic. Very, very, very helpful. Um, I appreciate all of uh, your unique insights, the work that you guys do, the, the standards that you set. Uh, thank you for, for sharing, uh, 52 minutes of your, of your life with us. Um, and for folks who are interested in, in learning a little bit more about Mstoner and the work that you guys do, what's the best place, uh, for them to go to access this information? 
mstoner.com. mstoner.com. <laughs> great. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention that we have uh, we have some really great resources. Uh, we have a section on our site called Intelligence. It mm-hmm. houses our most recent blog posts. Um, we've got lots of webinars that are on demand that um, marketers can 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 watch. Uh, they're all really great. They're about design. They're about content strategy. They're about empathy and experience mapping. So there's lots to dig into there uh, on our website, and you can sign up for our Intelligence uh, newsletter. And and if you want to work with us, you can get in touch with us through the website as well. Mm-hmm. fantastic ben casey thank you thank you thank you enjoy the rest of your week and um you know i'd love to we'll have to set a time to have a whole additional conversation around this idea of conversational design i'm committed to doing a podcast we should be like the first people that do a podcast on this topic uh Got it. we'll, we'll, we'll set we'll set you up with our content strategist for that yeah. one. yes yes <laughs> yes please please all right thank you both very very much cool thank you thanks zach, zach. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to digital resource for enrollment marketers out there.